0: Meat's about half lard. Biscuit, too. Least it tastes like breakfast. Rita let out with a give-me-strength sigh, like she knew she was dealing with a child. They continued eating, and into Jimmy's mind, which generally ran along unimaginative lines, came the image of a sapling palm bathed in golden early morning sun. As the image hung there, superimposed over the customary traffic of his thoughts, it began to acquire Detail. Dew beaded its dark green fronds. Glowing dust-motes quivered in shafts of light like excited atoms. A speckled lizard clung to the trunk. When it faded, he said, "'Now I know we got one coming. It's talking at me already.' Rita popped a fry into her mouth, chewed. "'What's it say?' He told her about the palm tree." She was studying the fine print on the back of a candy-bar wrapper she was preparing to tear open. "'Sounds like a real pretty story.' "'I know it ain't talkin' at me,' he said, annoyed by her indifference. "'It's a figure of speech, is all. I ain't as simple as you think.' "'You don't know what I think,' she said flatly, and peeled back the wrapper. She had a bite of the candy-bar. "'What the hell you see in me?' he asked. "'It can't be much.' You treat me like a damn idiot about half the time. The rain picked up, filming across the windshield, washing the tire dealership into a blur of blue and white. How I treat you the rest of the time? Rita asked. You treat me nice, he said sullenly. But that don't—well, maybe you ought to consider that before you snap at me. Maybe you ought to assume when I don't treat you nice, I got things on my mind. That worried him what? Something bothering you? Something's always bothering me, Jimmy.' She stuffed the empty fry carton into the McDonald's bag, balled it up, rolled down the window, and heaved the bag in the direction of a dumpster. Rain slashed at her shoulder as she wrangled the window closed. "'I'm thinking about bills. If it ain't bills, it's about getting the van looked at, about whether we should do the show in North Bend, about all the shit you don't have to handle. I can do my share.' "'You just let me.' "'Oh, yeah. I seen you do your share. "'Last time I left you to handle things, "'we had collection people calling every five minutes. "'You want to know what I see in you?' "'Her black eyes nailed him so hard he felt stricken. "'I tell you that, chances are I won't see it no more.' "'She turned the ignition key, gunned the engine. "'Finish your breakfast. "'You know they won't have nothing good at the show.' "'He was remembering the palm tree.' wondering where it grew—Mexico or Brazil, maybe Cuba. It took him a few seconds to respond. "'I ain't eating no damn lard,' he said. Tucked into a corner of the Issaquah Armory, away from the central pathology of the gun-show, where beneath ceiling-long trays of fluorescent light, teenagers with tipped hair, relief-map acne, and Satanist T-shirts fondled assault rifles and wary militia types with graying prophet's beards passed out tracts to Kiwanis Club members and fat men with trucker wallets, and novelty dealers sold Buck Owens switchblades and World War II bomb casings, and families shopped at the fancy booths for a nice pearl-handled carry-along with decent stopping power for Mom. Far from all that, tucked into a rear corner of the building were the two tables assigned to guy guns. Unlike the other dealers, Jimmy and Rita suspended no banner behind their tables. They appealed to a select clientele, and the people with whom they did business knew how to find them. In their display cases, a 42 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver that had once belonged to Teddy Roosevelt, a 38 caliber Beretta with a golden grip presented to Elliot Ness by the Chicago Chamber of Commerce— and a single-shot derringer wielded by the Civil War spy Bell Star nested in among weapons of less noble yet no less authentic pedigree, some dull and evil-looking amid folds of purple velvet, others with fancy plating and inlays appearing harmless as jewellery. Most people who wandered back into their corner would glance at the price-tags and skate away. Occasionally, a man wearing a T-shirt bearing a brave slogan such as "'If you want my gun, you can pry it from my cold, dead hand,' would linger over the cases and ask a question or two before moving on. And once a group of Russian men, who had been buying switchblades in volume, debated whether or not to make an offer on the Ness Beretta. "'Is Elliot Ness the untouchable guy, yes?' their spokesman asked, and when Jimmy said yeah, it was indeed that Elliot Ness.'